Welcome to episode 162 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How you doing, man? Uh, JP, uh, I'm in a good mood. It's a good day, especially when Oklahoma State rounds out its 2020 recruiting class for the hoops with a guy that they want. So it's a big day. It's a very good day to be a Cowboy. It's a very big day to be excited to be a Cowboy. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled, man. Yeah, this is this is a really good day. Donovan uh, Williams commits to Oklahoma State. It looked like over this past weekend, uh, things kind of shit. Plans kind of shifted a little bit. Uh, JT Thor committed on Sunday. Everyone thought for sure he was going to come to Oklahoma State. Auburn was in the mix, but really it looked like all signs were pointing that he was coming to Stillwater. Donovan Williams is going to head to Kansas State. As it turns out, JT Thor decides to head to Auburn, and Donovan Williams, uh, all of his crystal ball commitment, everything really flipped within about 24 hours that he was going to come to Oklahoma State, and they they rounded out the class with a, a shooting guard, something they really needed. They have a really great class, very athletic class, but they needed a guy that can come in and play right away and be a shooter, and so that really rounds out the class really nicely, especially for the freshmen. Yeah, no, I will say this. I'll preface. You know, everyone was saying Thor. I did say in our primer, I didn't feel like either one was going to come. That was starting to be the way I felt was that neither was going to end up at Oklahoma State. Um, but if I had to lean, I leaned Thor. I had too many. You know, we we had Corey Evans on on the pod last week. There's just too many people whose opinion I generally trust saying we still feel like Oklahoma State is the landing spot. Um, but it, it, with him, it always concerned me because, you know, it, it felt like he was going to commit in September. It really felt like he was going to be an OSU guy. And then nothing happened. And then it's, he, there was belief he was going to go pro. He was just in a bypass. And then he wasn't going to go pro. And Kentucky was involved. And then Auburn jumped in. And once Auburn – here's I have a rule with recruiting. And we'll talk about Williams here in a bit. But um, when a school comes in late to the recruitment – and is immediately thrust into the "quote unquote" top schools selection. That makes me two two things. One, the kid just has no idea what he wants to do, uh, and I don't want to talk about this is, that's who's bringing the bag. Kid has no idea what he wants to do, and last impressions can be really big impressions, right? Um, and I, that's kind of been my policy: is if I see someone who a school comes in late. And you start seeing a lot about them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to go under the uh, opinion that that's probably the school they're gonna end up at. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, the big shiny new, new thing. And look, Bruce Pearl's a good recruiter. I, I understand people don't like him. He's not that slimy. I really don't think he is. If you go look at what he actually got caught cheating about, it was not as big a deal as you want to think it was. Um, I like him. Do I think he cheats? I think 75% of college basketball coaches pay. Like, don't. I don't really care. Uh, but um. Not landing Thor sucks because they really could have used a, a big of his talent, um, of of his athleticism, uh, of just just the kind of player he is. That would have been huge. I mean, it's, he's a stretch big. Like he's a guy that can play under the rim. Uh, he's a guy that can handle the ball, and he's a guy that can can shoot. Um, but he's at Auburn. We don't care about him. So last we're going to mention about JT Thor. Donovan Williams brings in exactly what Oklahoma State also needs with this class, which is shooters. There is not a shooter on this roster. I know that we landed uh, Oklahoma State landed Farron Flavors, the grad transfer. I know he's a solid three-point shooter. He was last season. Um, that's good. 
That's good. He's going to be the three-point guy, but they need a shooter. Isaac Likely, not a shooter. Chris Harris, not a shooter. Avery Anderson, not a shooter. Cade Cunningham, not a shooter. Rondell Walker, can shoot. Donovan Williams, you needed a guy who can shoot, not just drive to the basket. And that's exactly what they got. Um, If you actually go look at the 24-7 ratings, I've got a lot of guys talked about. They have Williams as the third highest rated member of this class. It's Cade, number one, then Rondell, and then Williams, and then uh, Moncrief and, and Pena. So this is this is a really nice pickup. This is a great addition and a great way to round this class out. Um, you go see some of the, to- the conversations he's had about committed to Oklahoma State. He loves the idea of playing with Kane Cunningham. He loves getting to, to be play, play for Coach Boynton. Um, I think it's a great addition to the class. I'm, I am, as I said at the start here, as an Oklahoma State fan, I am very excited. This is a this is a really good class, uh, and I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it, man. I cannot wait to see this team play uh, this fall, winter, next spring, whenever the hell the season happens. Yeah, and I think what's important to think about when it comes to Donovan Williams is he's a piece for not only now but for the future. He's going to be probably mm-hmm. a three- to four-year guy. When you look at this 2020 team, let's enjoy – the class that you have now because not a lot of these guys are going to be back next year. Cade Cunningham is going to be a one and done almost no matter what. I mean, the dude's going to be a lottery pick in the 2021 draft. Like, we know that's going to happen. Let's enjoy the fact that he's here and the fact that he landed the number one player in the country. Rondo Walker's probably going to be a one to two year guy. Matthew Alexander Moncrief, probably another two to three year guy. Ferran Flavor's only here for a year. You're probably going to lose likely after this year. You know, I think there's a good chance of that. so as, as we've talked about, I still think it had likely not gotten mono and then taken so long to recover because that's what happens with mono. If he'd have had a, the season we expected him to have, I don't know if he'd be here next year. I think that's 100% uh, everything fair. going on with, with the mono. I think it hurt his stock. Um, we don't know how the draft's going to go. We don't know what's going to happen. I think we are fortunate to have likely back. Cause if you look at this, you look at next year's class, you're going to have five freshmen, five sophomores, two juniors and a, and a senior who's a grad transfer. Isaac Likely is is a leader for this team. He is one of this team's leaders. He's a guy that every recruit kind of mentions. A lot of these guys mention and talk about him. Okay, this, He is important to this team, and I think he's going to be the most important piece next season. I understand Kate Cunningham. I'm not trying to say that. I just, like, I think so much of this team, especially for the freshmen as they figure things out, is going to go through Likely. I think it's big having him back, um, but I agree. I Guys, let's just, I just, I, 2020, 2021, this, this coming school year, I don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to get played. We don't know when things are going to happen. I just know that this has the potential to be a big year for Oklahoma State, and I am very excited for it. Um, and I'm excited for, I, 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 I love schedule announcements anyways, so every time a game gets announced, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see us play them. Oh, I can't wait to see Oklahoma State play Louisville. Oh, I can't wait to see Oklahoma State play the Green Bay. Opens. Okay, yeah, Green Bay sounds great. All right, don't care. Uh, Virginia Tech in Oklahoma City at the Chesapeake Arena. And oh, I wish it was in Stillwater, but I don't care. You're going to play Virginia Tech. That sounds great. Get them. Get them in the Oklahoma City. Let's see them play. I'm just every time they announce a game, I'm like, ah, that sounds uh, that sounds great. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't. I'm just. I'm. I'm literally stuck on repeat. I can't wait, man. 
It's going to be exciting. Yeah, we've we've been really. I mean, you and I have been like we've had we've been having to fan ourselves talking about Oklahoma State basketball ever since Cunningham committed. So there, you know, we're still a few months away. Uh, still a long time away, almost like seven months from now. But yeah. we're but man, it's it's still exciting to think about even now. Um, we know how special this team is going to be and the potential that this season has. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really excited. I'm curious because I think this is actually the first time that we've done an actual intro to a podcast in probably like a month. Um, I am curious <laughs> how um, with all the social distancing and everything, have you picked up any new hobbies or anything like that? Like I'm curious, have you tried to do anything different uh, during all this time you have at home? I mean, I work from home now. Like I don't, I, I am a work from homer. Uh, I don't, I don't go into the office anymore. So I don't know about hobbies. Like I'm here all the time. Um, I make a grocery run once a week. Uh, I occasionally go pick up fast food for my pregnant wife who, you know, wants to eat whatever she wants, the, which is fine. My, my, my wife has told me that the baby um, needs a frosted lemonade from Chick-fil-A about three times a week. <laughs> uh, Taco Bell at least twice a week. Um, Sonic once a week or so, um, so that happens. Um, then we have some some local restaurants that we'll go get things from. She gets burger hankering, so we'll go with that. Um, so I'm eating a lot of leftovers because I'll cook food, but she doesn't want to eat leftovers. She doesn't like leftovers when she's pregnant, like at all. She doesn't really like them anyways, but she's pregnant. It's like no, I want that. I'm like <laughs> okay, so I'm eating like all the leftovers in the house, and I I I reached the point today where I was like no no no, we're making single meal servings. Because I'm tired of eating the same pasta for three days in a row. Um, pasta doesn't hold up for three extra days. It just doesn't. So let's not do that. But other than that, it's it's been good. Um, I have lost weight being at home, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, and a part of it is the extra walking and actually take, having the ability to run. But most of it's just I don't eat out at lunch anymore. So my lunch portion sizes are normal and not like huge and I have to eat them all. So I've, I've lost a few LBs, which is nice. Uh, but hobbies, no. Dude, I, I work from home full-time. I do this stuff. I've got a 14-month-old. I don't have time for hobbies. Because by the time I get to like 7 o'clock, if I'm not podcasting or writing, I'm ready to just sit my butt down on the couch and not be doing something. Like, it's not like I have – I'm not – like I have a job still, and I don't mean that as a knock to anybody who doesn't in any way, shape, or form. It's not like a shot at anybody who doesn't. I understand this is a shitty time, and a lot of people wish to God they had jobs to go back to at the moment. Um, I work. Uh, I have to work eight to five, so I ain't got time for no no hobbies. My hobby is Oklahoma State, uh, which sucks because there's nothing actually happening outside of you know awesome recruiting news and announcements about games against Virginia Tech and and, uh, and Louisville. That's fair. I was just curious because I know a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people trying to do something different just to break up the monotony of being at home. I started something incredibly nerdy over the weekend. Um, I started a uh, an online course that was taught at Boston University a couple of years ago called Baseball Analytics 101, just to try and learn a little bit more. It's like database management and stuff like that. Because, well, I'm trying to work in baseball here, folks. For anyone that uh, is hiring, please let me know. So yeah, that's how I've been passing my time recently. <laughs> hey, look, it's not that I, like I I wish I had time to do like learn a new thing or start some new stuff or get a new project. I, when you have this is this is the difference between those you see on social media who are single or don't have children 
and are stuck at home with nothing to do and those who have kids. Being at home with kids during this, you don't suddenly have more time to do stuff. You you have children. So, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. My wife has been spending a lot of time crafting and doing because she's a teacher. So she's, you know, home all home for the long haul now. Uh, but she's been spending a lot of time crafting and sewing and making things for the baby. So that's how she's been spending her time as well. We actually find out the uh, the gender here on Wednesday. So that'll be exciting. Ooh. Ooh. That's awesome, man. Yeah. My 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 inkling is that it's going to be a girl. I just I have a, I just have a feeling. Uh, it's fun being a girl dad. I'll say that. Yeah, it, uh, it's fun. All right. Well, without further ado, yeah. you have a fantastic interview that we got to get to. I'll let you go ahead and introduce our our guest for this episode. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, you know, we we're working really hard to get guests during this time because that's I think what fans want to want to hear. Um, I am one of the things that I love about Oklahoma State the most is the strength of the athletic department across the board. And we've talked about this before. Um, obviously I love football and men's basketball, but I love that we have a strong soccer program. I love that the softball team is good. I love that uh, Oklahoma State's won national championships cross country. Um, I love that the women's tennis team is awesome. And and that is why I was very excited um, to be able to get uh, the women's tennis coach uh, Coach Chris Young to to be able to sit down and chat. Um, um, this was a lot of fun. Um, I love the opportunity to to talk about these the other teams that don't get as much opportunity to be talked about. Um, I'm going to talk about the program as a whole. Uh, it's it's really been on the up and up. Um, obviously, it was a few years ago they finished runner up in the to to Stanford in the in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was that was big. So we talk about the state of the program now. Um, the women's team was set to Oklahoma State was set to host the NCAA tournament for women's tennis this year. Before obviously that got canceled. I'm um, going to talk about that and the potential of them maybe getting getting a hosting gig again down the line. Um, and then just you know could talk a little bit about tennis and about Oklahoma State. Um, I love again I love the opportunity to promote the other programs that uh, don't get talked about as much. And, and Chris was was great to 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 give me a little bit of his time. And, and I think he was a great interview. All right, we'll get into that right now, and we'll be right back after a word from a sponsor, and Philip will have his conversation with Coach Chris Young. Now, as I said before, I am a big fan of Oklahoma State for one reason in particular, and that's because the athletic program as a whole is so strong across the board. Um, not just football and basketball. It's strong in Olympic sports, including women's tennis, and I am a big fan of the Oklahoma State women's tennis program, which is why I am very excited to have the head coach of that program, Chris Young, joining us on the show today. Chris, uh, welcome to the Cowboys Ride for Free podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, I thank you. I really appreciate you taking some time uh, to talk with me today. I'm I'm very excited about this. I love the opportunity to talk about the, I want to say, the, the sports that don't get uh, nearly the attention of the others. Uh, for one, just the top opportunity to, to spotlight the amazing job that you have been doing there. Um, and just to, to get to know a little bit more about the program from, you know, from the guy who's running it. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I think that's one of the things that I feel like is one of my top priorities as a head coach of a women's tennis is just to be able to educate people on uh, the, the types of athletes that we have, not only just them as athletes, but them as students and them as people and the character they have. We're very fortunate and blessed to have great kids that have excelled in our program and really gone out and made a difference in the world for Oklahoma State, representing us as uh, 
cowgirls, you know, continuing to, to do some great things and we get kids from all over the world. And so it's definitely a way for us to make an impact, not just, just here, but with the types of kids that go out and do things and the amount of hard work that they put in each and every day as an athlete, as a student athlete is so valuable. And, you know, I, I know that each time people come and they watch our sport for the first time, they're always amazed at the intensity and the talent that these kids have. So, you know, one of my jobs is just continuing to educate our fan base of uh, the success that our program has had and it's due to the student athletes that, that represent us. That's, that's awesome, man. That really is. So well, let's start here. Let's start with this season. Obviously things not going, uh, the way anybody could have possibly predicted with the, the coronavirus shutting everything down early. You guys were having a, a really, really good year. You're 11 and one on the season two and oh in big 12 t- play before the, the pandemic reached the point where, where spring sports were, were canceled. I mean, what do you think the ceiling for this season and this team team could have been? That's a great question. And, you know, it's, you know, one that you obviously just have to speculate because you'll never know, but, um, you know, as you said, we won 11 of our 12 matches. Our only loss was one that we felt like we let get away. We lost uh, to Ohio State, which was ranked as high as number two in the country between two and five for the last month of the season. So obviously they were one of the better teams in the country as well. And, and we lost a 4-3 match to them with three matches uh, coming down to us losing 6-4 in the third set. And it was really Actually, you know, a good opportunity for our young kids to really learn what college tennis was all about. I give a lot of credit to Ohio, Ohio State in that match. They had a little bit more experience, and it showed. And, you know, we had freshmen play in positions three through six in our lineup and a, a sophomore at two and a junior at one. And so, you know, we came into the season understanding that we had a lot of talent, but there was going to be a lot of work just to grow with our experience and our development. And, you know, I thought we were really coming in to our own, as you mentioned, when the season was stopped. And, and I really felt like that, that was, uh, you know, the biggest disappointment was there was no feeling to this team and, and how good they can be. The, the positive is that, you know, all of them return moving forward for next year. So, um, you know, that's a positive, but for this season, we'll, we'll just really never know. And it's, it's hard to say, but with everything that we had and, and everything that we had built towards for hoping what this season could be, I think it was all definitely possible. So yeah, you have a, a very young roster, a lot of freshmen and sophomores. I don't think you have a senior as a that is a, on scholarship, correct? So obviously, um, and especially with the the NCAA decision to allow everyone a, an extra year who is a spring sport athlete, um, obviously men's and women's tennis falls in that category. Um, that's there's a lot of of things to figure out there. It's up to the schools, I know, to decide. Uh, whether or not to, to continue to, to allow the scholarships to go for those kids. Um, but I, I'm curious from you, you had a young roster, but do you expect everyone to be back next season? Yeah, you know, that's a great point about um, Oklahoma State is the fact that, you know, with our our administration, especially my culture as athletic director, that every sport here matters, every student athlete matters, and, and it's something that's very important to him. We had several discussions today as a matter of fact, about that. And, you know, every every kid is going to have the opportunity to get those additional seasons, and that's not something that uh, every university athletic department across the country has made that decision. I think some of the universities that had decided against that would, would even surprise people. And so you see many kids looking to transfer and, and do those things. But 
you know, we expect uh, the majority of our roster, if not everyone, to, to return, uh, especially our top six players that played in the lineup are definitely going to be uh, returning and, and continuing their career with us. And they're all very excited about the fact that they have an extra year to compete together. Um, you never know, you know, in any given year how things can, can turn out. Uh, you know, I remember back to 2016 when we made the finals and that team uh, had a loss during uh, this exact period of time the season was shut down. We had a loss at USC uh, over our spring break. That really was the turning point for our season, and we won 18 matches in a row after that and not losing again until the NCAA finals. And all of our players that were a part of that um, that season looked back on that specific moment in time and saw that as a turning point. And our season this year was stopped at pretty much that exact moment. So you never know, you know how things can turn around. I don't think anybody in 2016 outside of our group would have thought that the team could have competed for a national championship mid-March. So you never know what a group can can do. Uh, so it's disappointing that this group didn't get to finish. Um, but the fact that we got them returning and we've already signed a very strong player from Spain to join us in, in August, uh, you know, really just speaks highly, I think, for the future of the program. And we're, you know, we have a good foundation moving forward. Yeah, that uh, recruit, and I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. I know is it Daniela Medvedeva? Is that correct? Medvedeva. That's right. That's right. She is. She's originally from from Russia. Her parents are Russian, but uh, moved to Mallorca, Spain, uh, several years ago for her tennis and training. And and um, she's just an exceptional kid. Uh, we've just really had uh, great pleasure in recruiting her, and she fits all the the boxes. Checks all the boxes. Fits the profile of, of the types of players we're looking for. Uh, for cowgirl tennis and then you know you add to that her exceptional tennis ability i think she's going to be a fun one for our fans to to watch compete i'm really excited to hear that uh that you've had a chance to talk with holder uh and that uh the oklahoma state will be making sure that every student who wants to come back and continue to play will have the opportunity to do so with the the scholarship they had i think that's that's fantastic Um, as an oklahoma state fan um, I'm really proud to hear our school is one that is going to be making sure that they do that and find a way to do so. That's that's awesome, and that's awesome for especially programs like yours that that are that have become so good and have such an opportunity to, to compete at a high level. I'm I'm really excited to hear that. Yeah, no question about it. And I think that's one of the great advantages of having a leader like Mike Holder, who was a student athlete and who was also a coach, is he understands the student athlete's perspective. He understands the value of those four years that you get to be a student athlete and how they impact your life and how they are such uh, you know, it's a precious commodity to be able to have those four seasons of eligibility to be a student athlete and all the lessons that you can learn, all the opportunities that you can have, all the memories that you can make. I think he takes that as personally as any administrator that you're going to find. And so I think that's uh, something we can all definitely be proud of. Uh, that you know our school has made a commitment to those athletes in a time that you know it's very easy to be looking for things to cut back on and no doubt we're going to have to make some some tough decisions moving forward but that's not going to be one of them so i i want to talk about um obviously the season coming to end uh, without a better word i think of sucks um it really does um but the other big thing is obviously the Oklahoma State was set to host the NCAA tournament this year. Um, you guys had done a lot of work to get the facilities ready uh, and up to the level they needed to be at. You had posted some some photos of the work that had been done. How how disappointed are you guys um, that this this is 
obviously it happened, but also how much time, energy, and just just work had gone into getting the facilities ready to go to to host the NCAA's. Well, I think it's been a a dream that so many people have had around Oklahoma State tennis forever um, since the programs were started is to be able to do things to put our program on a national stage, um, to be able to, to bring people to Stillwater for a national tournament. That was something that we began back in 2009, 2010, when we really started fundraising for the Greenwood Tennis Center and selling our donors and our supporters on a vision that, that we could host something like the Instablay tournament here in Stillwater if we built a facility to the scale that we were able to do so. And so it goes all the way back, you know, a decade, basically, of us planning and preparing. So it's, it's impossible to quantify the amount of hours, the amount of time, um, the amount of energy that's been spent preparing for this moment. Um, you know, obviously, you go back to 2016 when we were awarded the bid, and, and we had four years to prepare for this moment, and you get to within two months of the finish line after, you know, 10 years of dreaming and four years of planning it's hard to get so close and, and be turned away. And, you know, when it first happened, I think all of us were hoping and, and felt, I think, you know, with some sense of maybe confidence that there was going to be an opportunity that maybe 2021 would be a possibility. And, you know, within the last few weeks, we've gotten a letter from the NCAA saying that's not an option. And I think that was disappointing news. And, you know, now that we've been told that we can, bid for the next cycle, which is 23 through 26, and that will be awarded late summer or early fall. Um, so we're kind of right back to square one of where we were uh, when we put the bid in back in 2016, and um, it's definitely a disappointing feeling. There's just no way around it. Um, as you mentioned, we resurfaced all 18 of the courts. We put in new LED lighting, which enhanced the, the lighting indoors. You know, one of the things about the national championship as we had 65 hours of programming from the tennis channel that was going to be taking place in Stillwater. And, you know, one of the things that we wanted was uh, in May, there's often times of, you know, rain and thunderstorms. So you want to be able to have indoor sports readily available, which we have and which we have right there, you know, on, on site, but we wanted them to be quality such that the tennis channel could also just move their cameras and equipment indoors and, and cover those matches because in some of the facilities that have hosted previously, that's not been the case. The lighting indoors is different. Um, you know, if you go inside, you're not able to televise in the same way. So, you know, thankfully, uh, Mike and Ann Greenwood stepped up in a way for us and, and, and helped us with that. And then we had other donors that stepped up and gave us funding to, um, to be able to uh, build two new visiting team locker rooms. And, um, you know, we, we put all that together and we spent close to a million dollars to be able to uh, upgrade our facility. Yeah, if, if For those of you who haven't had a chance, the, the tennis facilities in Oklahoma State are, are beautiful. Um, they are some of the best in the country, period. Um, I, I have to think that with what has happened, that the NCAA would, would, would under, be understanding and, and grant Oklahoma State and Stillwater another opportunity to host with, with what happened. Is, it's such a loss. I mean, it's 
it's a loss for an opportunity to really showcase the facilities. It's a loss for an opportunity to showcase the, the, the program. It's a loss for, for income for the state. I mean, obviously that would have been a big event. There's a lot of people in Stillwater, a lot of people in Oklahoma. Um, that's, that's a big opportunity. And I, I would, I would think the NCAA would, would realize that, that it would be worth granting Stillwater another season, potentially in 2023, hopefully. Um, and the opportunity to, to host. You hope that, and, and, and obviously we're trying to be as optimistic as possible. Uh, the average economic impact of the community hosting a national championship in uh, NCAA tennis championship has been averaged $6 million. So, you know, it's a big, big revenue generator for the city of Stillwater. We don't get these types of events all the time. And, and uh, you know, that's just something I wanted to give back to the community that has supported, you know, our program in, in so many positive ways. Uh, we also were going to do a fan festival just to the east of us, closing down McElroy, putting a stage on McElroy and being able to do concerts and other um, programming there and doing things in a way that was just much bigger than the tennis championship has been accustomed to and also doing some things that, you know, I think could maybe show proof of concept here in Stillwater of some events and types of things that maybe we, we want to bring back. And I know people are, you know, so familiar of all different types of events and activities that have taken place on our campuses. Um, you know, orange peel, different things like that. that just, you know, bring a lot of excitement. And we haven't had those in a while. And, and we were really close to pulling that off for the national championships in tennis. And, you know, just being able to show that, that we have the support to do those types of events again um, and to come up short and, and to have that canceled. Um, you know, as, as we talked about, it's just disappointing because I think that it was going to be great for tennis. It was going to be great for our community, but I think it's going to be, much bigger than that. I think we were going to really be able to provide um, some opportunities just to grow our sport and the exposure of it and bring some new faces to, you know, what our sport is really all about while also entertaining them and, and having a fun, uh, you know, 10 days here in Stillwater. Man, orange peel, that takes me back. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah, those are always fun. Um, so I, I want to talk about the program with you just for a minute. Um, for those who don't know, this is your 10th season in charge, correct? 10th or 11th? Yeah, just finished 11th. Just finished right. uh, 20 was uh, was my 11th season here. Okay. So in your time here, you have you have really built this program up. Um, I mean, honest to goodness, 182 and 84 record. Uh, you've been to the NCAA tournament eight straight years, four trips to the Sweet 16 in the last five years. You've got an Elite Eight berth. You've got a runner-up finish in 2016, as you noticed. A couple of Big 12 regular season titles. Um, you have turned Oklahoma State into a really good, a really respectable, and a, and, a, and a consistently top-notch program. I mean, what what do you give credit to? Obviously, you deserve a ton of the credit as as the man in charge for the program being where it's at. But but what other things can you point to and say this is this has helped us get here and this has helped us get here or or this person has? Well, I think obviously it starts with the student athletes. I think they should get the majority of the credit because they're the ones that are competing and they're the ones that are putting in the time and energy and effort and, and they're the ones really winning the matches and making a difference. I think then it goes to our supporters. Uh, you know, it starts with Mike and Ann Greenwood, who bought into our vision for building the facility and, and building the framework for what OSU Tennis is really kind of about now. And then we get so many other supporters that have donated funds. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the things that people would recognize about our program across the country is we're innovative and we're creative. And then we have the support behind us to be able to make things happen. And, you know, since 2014, we've won 
more matches in conference than any other Big 12 school. We're, you know, the only Big 12 women's team to uh, to make an NCAA tennis final. So, you know, we've done some things within our conference that no one else has been able to do. Uh, we've done a lot of things that Oklahoma State has never seen in tennis, obviously, before. And it all, you know, comes with having good players. So I'm just very fortunate to have good players, to have been able to have good coaches that work around us. Um, and I'm just the beneficiary of that. So I am. I'm curious. Um, when it when it comes to a lot of Olympic sports and women's teams, it it seems like there tends to be a, a couple of programs or schools that just dominate the sport. Um, you know, in, in women's soccer, it's North Carolina. It's obviously UConn is one of them in women's basketball, and in in tennis, it's it's Stanford. They've got twenty of the NCAA national titles. Florida's got seven, and then there's a, a handful of schools with one or two titles. I'm I'm always curious, and I'm as someone who who runs Oklahoma State, you, I feel like you can give me a a good perspective here. What do you think separates Oklahoma State at this point from the Stanfords and the Floridas of the sport? I mean, that's a great question. You know, I think that our sport is, um, you know, only seven teams have won a national championship, so you know, it's only a handful of, of schools that have done it at a high level. Um, and there's been a perception for so long that you need to be in certain geographic locations. Uh, there's been, you know, a uh, perception that, and, and probably rightfully so, that certain schools supported it, um, you know, that way. I think we're, we're starting to close that gap. Um, you know, you've got to have something that separates you, something that um, is unique that recruits and potential players can identify with. And if you don't have the tradition, if you don't have the location, um, you know, what is it that's going to separate you? And, you know, I think we've separated ourselves because of our unique fan support, um, you know, just our overall support of the program that we can provide resources such as the Greenwood Tennis Center and resources of being able to travel and play matches in uh, pretty nice locations. Um, and, and then just the resources we've been able to provide uh, our players here from a development standpoint. I think that you see now that players have come here and traditionally have uh, have developed. We've had at least one All-American on our roster since 2014, and there's only 20 players across the country that make All-American out of over 2,500 women who play college tennis at the Division One level. So to be an All-American is a small, small you know fraction of a percentage of the players who play, and, and we've had at least one. Uh, if not in multiple, since 2014. So that's showing that players are getting better and recruits are starting to see, okay, now they're starting to see the results and we're closing that gap. But I think you still have to be able to have the resources that set you apart if you don't have the tradition or the location. And so, um, you know, I think that that is uh, the challenge and I think that's what's going to make the unique situation that we're in right now even more challenging. Coach Young, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. This has been incredibly enlightening. Um, I'm I'm excited at the opportunity to help you get the word out about the program. Um, I am I am very. I think obviously you guys are far more than me, but I am very disappointed that you did not get to, to finish this season. I was really looking forward to just how high uh, this this team could be this year. But man, I'm also very excited to see next year with so many girls coming back. Um, I think this is a team that it will be very exciting to watch and definitely one when the season kicks off that people are going to be talking about, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, uh, 
people like you, people that take an interest in Oklahoma State athletics and share our story and our messages is what we need. You know, um, these kids deserve it. They work hard. They represent Oklahoma State in the right way. Um, you know, these kids have had we've had a 3.7 or higher GPA now for six semesters in a row. So I'm very fortunate to have kids that represent everything about what Oklahoma State athletics really uh, wants to be about. And I hope that our fans will continue to to our fan base will grow. Um, you know, I have dreams of the Greenwood Tennessee Center being full each and every match that we have. And I think that if people come out and give it a, give it a shot, they're going to really like the product that's out there, and they'll keep coming back. So I hope that everybody who listens to your podcast will will take a, a special interest in coming back and supporting these girls next year. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys have a chance to go to a match next year. Do yourself a favor and go. They're fun to watch. The facility is gorgeous. It's, I mean, and it's it's not it's not expensive to get tickets. So, I mean, there's there are, it's one of the best things you can do in Stillwater to me. Uh, Coach Young, again, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time this evening, and uh, hopefully we can uh, talk again when when we have good things to talk about, like the start of the next year. That sounds great. Appreciate your time.